Blessings Church. So the reading is taken from Luke chapter 1, 67 to 80, and I'm reading from the ESV version. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hates us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. It's great to be back here with you. Um, if, I, if you don't know me, my name is Mike. I, I pastor, I'm one of the pastors down at a church just not far from here uh, called the Globe Church. Um, we're part of the same network in the FIC. Uh, and it's great to partner together with you guys um, to be able to, to help each other and, and encourage each other. And just wonderful to see what the Lord is doing uh, at Stockwell Baptist. So um, praise God for that. Uh, as we come to God's word this morning, let me pray. Uh, let me lead us in a prayer. Let's pray together. Father... Father, we sung just earlier, you are the God who saves us. Hosanna, Hosanna. Father, help us to see you for who you are this morning. As we come to your wonderful word, as we come to these wonderful songs in this Advent season, please, Lord, prepare our hearts to see the glory of Jesus coming to dwell among us. May that give us hope and joy and reason to celebrate and worship this morning and in the mornings and the days and the months and the years to come. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Great. Uh, if you've got that passage, please have it open, whether it's on a Bible or on a phone app, whatever you've got, um, please keep it open because we're going to dig into this, this song. Um, but yeah, as, as Yannick said earlier, it's, it's the first week of December. It's, it's Advent season. You're getting ready for Christmas, right? Yes? Have you started your Christmas shopping, You know, getting your food, the turkey, Brussels sprouts, if you like those? I don't, but... Up to you. Uh, how is it too soon to have a Christmas tree up? No. I've had, we've had ours up for about three weeks. Probably a bit too soon. That's because we're go- actually going to Korea, where, where I'm from, um, next week. So we wanted to make sure the kids had enough time to see the Christmas tree. So a lot of people are like, oh, that's too soon. But, but we, we like it, right? The Christmas vibes. I was in Morrison's with uh, my little baby girls yesterday, wandering around, and the Christmas music's blaring. Yeah? I get home, and my wife starts playing it as well. All the Christmas bangers, they're all coming out. We love it. 
Why? Because Christmas songs remind us about this festive season, about that season. It's meant to be about fun and family, presents and pies, crackers and cakes. I can't think of any more, whatever, yeah. There's something to look forward to. And the songs that we sing around Christmas, they give us those Christmas vibes. Okay, so let's have a bit of crowd interaction this morning. Um, Name some of your Christmas classics that you love. Come on, shout them out. What have you got? Oh, yeah, classic. Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas is You. There you go. Any others? Last Christmas. Yes. Who was that? Wham? Is it? Yeah, yeah, Wham. Jingle Bell Rock. Yes, Jingle Bell Rock. That is Bobby Helms. That's on my list here. Any others? Rocking Around the Christmas Tree. Brenda Lee. Yeah, we like that. I'm not going to sing any of these because it will ruin it. But uh, Nat King Cole, The Christmas Song. Have yourself a merry Christmas. Uh, sorry. Yeah. There we go. Okay. All right. Now you're getting in the mood. Um, Christmas songs. They give it. See, everyone's smiling because it's like jolly. It brings us. It reminds us of joy and hope. And a lot of the time in the UK, it's all about who's going to be Christmas number one. Do you, does anyone know who was Christmas number one for the last four years? No, it wasn't Mariah Carey in the UK. Sorry, not around the world. Lad Baby. Yeah. Does anyone know Lad Baby? Okay, so there's this couple, I think they're from Nottingham, who sing these songs about sausage rolls. Seriously, only in the UK. And then num- they've been number one in the UK for the last four years. It's mad. They, they, last year, I think they did a song with Ed Sheeran and Elton John. But that's, how, that's how crazy it's got. But good on them, because it's all for a great cause. They, all their proceeds go to a homeless charity. And that's sort of, all these songs, that Lad Baby, all this stuff, it sort of captures the mood about Christmas. The mood is about joy and hope. That's what we love to see. So here's a question for us this morning. What song are we going to be singing this Christmas? What is your Christmas number one in your own hearts? Because this morning, we're going to spend some time looking at this song that Zechariah sings. At that very first Christmas, at that very first Advent. And I'd love it if this was the anthem of our Christmas this year and in the years to come. That we come into this Christmas period with this song ringing in our hearts because this song gets right to the heart of Christmas. This is a song about eternal joy and eternal hope. In many ways, it brings together some of those classic carols that you guys are gonna sing in the next few weeks. We sung one of them this morning, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Zechariah's song sets the tone for all the songs that we're gonna be singing this Christmas. But I've got to set the context because it is absolutely mad. It's extraordinary that Zechariah sings this song. Way more extraordinary than a song about sausage rolls being number one at Christmas. Let me explain what's going on here. Luke's gospel starts with the story about Zechariah and Elizabeth. They are an elderly couple who haven't been able to have a child for years. They are really old by this time. And in the cultural times then, it would have been really shameful that they hadn't had a child. It's still painful in our times today. It's, it's good for churches to be aware of that. That is so hard for some people. But for them particularly, this was really, really hard and shameful. And as they approach this first Christmas, the angel Gabriel appears to them, appears to Zechariah. He's, he's a priest. He's working in the temple. And Gabriel appears and says, you're going to have a child. And he's like, no way. Get out of town. For the next nine months, Gabriel says, well, because you doubted, you're not going to be able to say a single word. 
Zechariah, he's a priest in the temple. It's going to be really crucial that he can speak. But for nine months, from that day onwards, he is not going to be able to say a single word. For the next nine months, he's, he's quiet. His wife's waiting. People around him are waiting. Until that day, a son is born and is in his arms. He's holding his boy in his arms and everyone's saying, well, what's, what's the name of the son going to be? This is a miracle baby. You shouldn't have had a baby at this age. What are you going to call him? And they're surely thinking, you've got to give, it, give him a name that's linked to you, tied to you, to, that honors you, like Zechariah Jr. or Zach II. Or at least maybe David or Samuel, some, a strong name like that. But then he writes down on a tablet, as in like an old, not, not an iPad tablet, like an old tablet. His name is John. Because that is what Gabriel has said, you need to name this child John. And you can see already there, Zechariah is realizing the promise of God is coming true. And in that moment, his mouth is open and he can speak. Now that's the context. Now imagine, this is a miracle baby in his arms. What do you think the first thing he should say is? What is the first song that he should be singing? I love, um, I love Stevie Wonder. Anyone else? Stevie Wonder, awesome. You're getting a lot of music stuff this morning. Um, very superstitious, what a tune. Great tune, right? One of my favorite songs of Stevie Wonder is actually Isn't She Lovely? People like that song? You know that song? Great song. You hear it often at weddings. Shouldn't be sung at weddings because it's actually not about a woman he loves. It's about his daughter. If you know the context of the song, Stevie Wonder's blind and he wrote this song about his daughter when he first held her in his arms. Isn't she lovely? I'm not going to sing it because I don't want to ruin it. Isn't she lovely? Isn't she wonderful? Isn't she precious? Less than one minute old. It's a beautiful song. And surely you would expect Zechariah to sing something similar. Surely. A miracle baby in his arms. Surely he would want to sing about this son, John. But the crazy thing is he doesn't. I mean, he does a little bit later in verses 76 to 80. But the first word he speaks, having not said anything for nine months, is about another baby to come. And that's what I want to focus on this morning in this song. This bit about another child that he sings. Now, why does he do this? Because as he looks at his son, John, in his arms, he knows there is someone even greater coming. Because the angel Gabriel has said to him, Back in Luke chapter 1, verse 17, that John is coming to prepare the way for who? For the Lord. As he holds John in his arms, he knows now the Lord, God, Yahweh is coming. And he bursts out into song. Look at how he starts, verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. God has come to his people. It's a sort of anthem. It's the title of the song. You know the most memorable bit of songs? This is it. It's like um, that Kylie Minogue song. Here's another song. Kylie Minogue song, I, I, can't, I just can't get you out of my head. I don't know the rest of the lyrics. All I know is I just can't get you out of my head. And then la, 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 la. That's it. That's all you remember. But you can know that's the anthem. Okay, World Cup. We've got to talk about it. World Cup vibes. What's the song at the moment that everyone in England sings? It's coming home. It's coming home. Football's coming home. Do you, does anyone know the rest of the song? No, I have no idea. Apparently there are like five verses or something. But that is the anthem. That is the heart of the song. And here's the anthem here. God has come to his people. 
As Zechariah looks at this little boy, the curtain is lifted and he can see it. God has come to his people. He knows now that God, the creator of the universe, is coming, is coming to visit his people. See, back in the Old Testament, if we saw shadows and glimpses of God, whether that be in burning bushes or pillars of cloud and fire, Zechariah knew now that they would see God fully revealed in all his glory right in their presence. God was coming to visit, to walk among them, to dwell with them. To use John's language, John chapter 1, verse 14, God was coming to dwell, to tabernacle with his people. And so he says, blessed be the God of Israel. But you see, God wasn't just coming to pay a visit and just to chill and hang out with his people. God had come with a purpose. And so for the rest of this morning, I just want to point out three key things that drive Zechariah to sing this song, this praise to God who has come to his people. And I pray that as we look at these, this will lead us to sing. It will lead us to worship him. This Christmas and beyond. So here's the first thing. God has come to redeem. God has come to redeem. Is it just me or... Does every Christmas feel like a bit of an anticlimax? Don't get me wrong, it's so great having a break, spending time with family and friends, eating good food, or sort of. But it's, it feels like an anticlimax. Like, is it just me, or is turkey overrated? Yeah? I'd much rather be having some Korean fried chicken or some roast duck, right? I find it stressful buying presents for others. I always get it wrong. I so often disappoint. And vice versa, you get to learn to be really gracious as you open, oh, thanks. But more than that, post-Christmas, it becomes a bit of a downer. People talk about January blues. We go back to the real world where we realize things aren't actually that much better. Christmas quickly becomes a distant memory. We have to shelve all those songs that we've been singing throughout December. And we come back to the realities of the world that we live in. It's just far from perfect far from being filled with joy. And that is why Zechariah's song is the best song to sing. Because it doesn't sing about just rocking around a Christmas tree year on year or wishing we had a white snowy Christmas for once. This is a song that speaks of what God has done. You may have noticed Zechariah sings this whole song in the past tense. It's prophetic. He's speaking in the past tense to give us certainty, to say, look, in God's timing, this has happened. God has come. He has come to redeem, to redeem his people, and that is a reason to celebrate. That is a reason for joy and for hope. See, God always knew the situation of his people. He knew their needs. He knew what his people were longing for. God was coming to give the greatest present that they could ever hope for, to free his people from oppression. How does he do that? Well, Zechariah keeps on singing. Look at verse 69. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from from of old. Here is how God comes to redeem. He raises up a horn of salvation. Now think about this for a moment. Where do you see horns? Do you see horns on things like bulls, strong cows? You see them on rhinos. What do they use them for? They use them to defend and to attack. That is why you see them on Vikings' helmets and things. It's a picture of strength and power. 
But in the Bible, horns are also seen at anointings. In 1 Samuel 16, when Samuel is about to anoint King David, what does he use? He fills a horn of oil, a horn with oil, and he anoints him as king. It's a picture of kingship. See, a horn of salvation, it speaks of, it symbolizes a strong king. That is what it's symbolizing. God is raising up a strong king, but not any old strong king. He's a king from the house of David. David, that great king of Israel who had defeated Goliath, David, who had received and taken the ark back from the Philistines, back to Jerusalem. Here is a king from that same kingly household that God is bringing. And this is a king that was spoken by prophets throughout the Bible. This is the Messiah, the chosen king that everyone was waiting for. And as Zechariah holds his little son John in his arms, he now sees what God is doing. God is bringing the Messiah the king, the strong king from David's household, promised throughout the ages, who's coming to save, to redeem his people. Zechariah sees it now. God himself is coming as that king in the flesh. And in a few days' time, Zechariah is going to see this king, a little baby, helpless, in the arms of Joseph and Mary. I realize that every Christmas I get to this bit, and if you're familiar with Christian things, you just sort of think, oh yeah, God came as a man, came as Jesus. But this is mind-blowing. Zechariah's words, God has come. God, come as a man in the line of King David to redeem people like us. And it is this very horn of salvation, this king who comes to bring freedom, verse 71, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. See, the history of the Israelites, the people of God, was that they had a history of oppression. They were often berated by neighboring nations, by other peoples, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Rome, just to name a few. They were often crying out, when will we be free? Now, I get that idolatry and sin of the people was often the reason for their exile, but not always. Sometimes they were just oppressed by God's enemies, like Egypt. And this reminds us that political and human oppression is a real thing. God's people can and do often experience this. There's history for many of you, for us, in this room, where you will know and feel that. Even in the past couple of years, a lot of this would have been brought to the surface. The history of the Atlantic slave trade is real. Racism is real. I've experienced it here. In this, in this country. Many of us will have personal stories. Oppression you may, may have experienced growing up in London. Even this week, perhaps. And Jesus comes to redeem all of that. He comes to bring salvation from that sort of oppression. There will come a day when his people will be gathered into his kingdom and his rule once and for all. No other nations or people or kingdoms will have power over his people. No other kings will oppress others. Because there's one true strong king who will reign once and for all. And all his enemies, all the oppressors will be dealt with. Praise God. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel who has come to his people. But you've got to hear this right. We cannot stop there because Zechariah doesn't. In verse 77, as he speaks of John the Baptist, of his son, if you look down, he says, 
He is coming to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. He makes clear that John was preparing the way for the Lord for a deeper salvation, that he wants to get to the hearts of human souls, the forgiveness of sins. You see, from Assyria to Babylon to Jerusalem, right through to London, to Seoul, to Nairobi, to New York, the spiritual problem of our sin is there for every one of us. Sin that is often the cause of human and political oppression. The sin of the Israelites in idol worship and defiance against God in the mistreatment of their own brothers and sisters. Jesus was coming to deal with that as well. See, what Zechariah is trying to say to us is this. Look, do not have a small view of this horn of salvation. Don't just see Jesus coming to deal with some political and social problems. Don't just see Jesus coming to deal only with the spiritual side of what's gone wrong. God has come to redeem everything. And he will redeem it to the full. From the very roots of our spiritual oppression, from sin that grasps our hearts, right through to its very fruits, seen in political, social, and human pressure that we see all around us. The, the horn of salvation has come to deal with all of that. And when Jesus died on that cross, many years after he was born, as he was nailed there, he was nailing our sins to the cross. By his sacrifice, by his death, our hearts of sinful stone were turned to faithful flesh. There was hope and freedom from spiritual oppression. That is something we can realize and encounter and we know of today. But as Jesus then rises victorious from the grave, he ushers in a new kingdom, a kingdom where the right, just, loving, strong king would rule over his people and his enemies were squashed once and for all. And a day is coming, that second advent that Yannick was talking about is coming, when all oppressors will have to bow their knee, bend their knee before the one true king and be held to account for all that has happened. And on that final day, there's only one true kingdom that's going to stand. And it's the kingdom of justice and freedom. That is something we will fully realize in the future and we might see glimpses of today. But that is what Jesus ushers in. That is what this horn of salvation ushers in. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Don't lose sight of that this Christmas. If you're feeling the burden of oppression and the brokenness of this world, then you need to come to Jesus, to this horn of salvation. See how God has set in motion and is advancing his kingdom today. And know that when he returns, it will be established forever. A kingdom never to be oppressed again, full of peace with a united people from every tongue, tribe, and nation. Praise God. And if this morning, if you're gripped in the throes of sin, if you're feeling the weight of the guilt and shame of it, then come to Jesus. See how God has come to visit and redeem his people. How he has promised by his blood he will set you free. That he has forgiven you of your sins. Praise God that he has raised up this horn of salvation who comes to save and redeem his people. That's the first thing. Here's the second. God has come to show that he is faithful. Here's verse 72. God has come to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham. 
God is ever gracious and faithful in his love for all his people, past, present, and future. Right from the day of Abraham, way back in Genesis chapter 12, he established a covenant, a promise to his people. This is the holy covenant he speaks of in verse 72. And he kept promising his people from that day onwards that a day would come when he would gather his people into his land and he would bless them and be among them. He kept crying out to them, I will be your God and you will be my people. And we have to remember this, that God never forgets. He is ever faithful. See, it's as though Zechariah singing this, as he sings this, you can see all the prophets, all those past fathers, Abraham, Moses, Samuel, David, all sitting there in the heavenly host, nodding and praising to God and saying, look at what God has done. Look how faithful he is. See how he has been merciful to us by raising up this horn of salvation. See how he is going to go and visit his people, to redeem them, to rescue them from the hands of his enemies, as he promised us way back in the day. He is doing it now. Can you imagine the joy for Abraham and co? As they sit there, seeing their descendants being gathered one by one into God's kingdom. As they see daily God's unfolding promise happening all around them. To see people one by one coming to confess that Jesus is Lord, finding shelter in the shadow of the Almighty, finding refuge in the glory of the cross. Praise God because he's ever faithful. If you read through the Bible, this is one of the clearest realities that we see that God is ever faithful to his people, even when his people are so unfaithful. He is so faithful that he would send his own son, his dearly beloved, to show how much he loves us. To come and deal with our unfaithfulness so that we might receive this promise that he made that we might be his people and that he would be our God. That is how committed he is to this covenant promise. That is how faithful God is to his word. If you're missing that, if you're doubting that, then look to the cross because that is where you see his promise fulfilled. Maybe this morning you're sitting here and you're battling with doubt. You're questioning. Situations are around you. Pressures are coming on you. And you're questioning, is God really good? Can I really trust him? Satan is whispering in your ear, did God really say, as he did with Adam and Eve way back in in the garden? But then know this. Zechariah sings it. Christ has come. He has come and he by his spirit is now with his people to redeem them and remind them that God is ever faithful. Look to the resurrected Lord who conquered death and sin as proof of that. There is proof that his promises always come good. That if you come in faith that you are forgiven once and for all, you are free indeed. And that death has been defeated, sin has been overcome, and that in Jesus there is new life. Perhaps this morning you feel like your sin is way too bad. Why would God ever forgive someone like me? Perhaps that burden of guilt is too deep for you this morning. Then sing this song with me. Remind yourself that God is ever faithful. Because if you come in true repentance, saying, God, there's nothing I can give to you except my heart, 
asking you, please, God, would you forgive me? Then know this, as that thief hung on the cross and said, Jesus, remember me as, I go, as you go into paradise, as you go to be with your kingdom. He says, today you are with me in paradise. Come to him. See his promise hanging on the cross for you. The horn of salvation who came to die for you. And know that his blood has sealed your forgiveness. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. If you've forgotten that this morning, if you're doubting this morning, then sing this song with me to remind yourself, to remind one another that God has come to show he is ever faithful. Here's the last thing. Here's the third thing. God has come to show that he is our God. Carry on, verse 74. That we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. That we might serve him without fear. See, when Jesus came, he made it clear he wasn't coming only to redeem us and save us from the oppression of sin and from his enemies. He doesn't just save us so that we can go and carry on living our lives, but he calls us and saves us into his kingdom. He saves us and calls us to be one of his people. He sets us apart. That is what holy means. He sets us apart to be a holy people, to live for him. He was coming to fulfill that promise of God. I will be your God. You will be my people. Let me try and, um, try and illustrate this a little bit. I used to, um, do you guys know Hope Church Vauxhall? It's one of the churches just down the road, also part of the FIC network. And I used to help out there with the, on the estate there with the Monday night football. Um, and some of the guys there were really good, like really, really good. And there was one guy called Aiden, absolutely phenomenal, just head and shoulders better than everybody else. And so every Monday we would get there, and it was a bit like, you know, when you're in the school playground and you get two captains and they start picking a team and you just hope that you're not the last one to be picked. And there you're standing there, and Aiden was almost always one of the captains. And you're standing there just going, please, would Aiden just pick me? Would he pick me? I'll just want to be on his team, because I know that if I'm on his team, we're going to win. And when you're on his team, what you do? Tackle someone, get the ball to Aiden, and he just goes. It's a little bit like that. Jesus calls us onto his team. When we trust by faith that God has come to redeem us, we are called into his service into his team, and Jesus is there. He's our captain. He is our God. And when you're on his team, we have that same goal, that same purpose. We are in that same way we're called to serve God, to fulfill his great purpose, to fill the earth with his glory. And so our job is a little bit like me trying to get the ball to Aden. We just keep Jesus in view. We just keep pointing people to the wonderful things that Jesus has done and is doing. And make known his great salvation. We are called to serve him all our days until the match is over. Until we see him face to face, we go out and we keep serving him. And the great thing is that we can do this now freely without fear and in righteousness. Knowing that with Jesus we cannot lose because we're on the right team. Because of him we can now stand under his protection, under his guidance, under the great guidance of the great high priest, of our strong king. So here's a final question for us this morning. Here's a challenge. Which king do you serve right now? 
It's so easy to drift to serve the kings of this world, the kings of power, of status, of money. They tempt us and entice us to be subject to them. So often we see people enslaved by such kings. But listen to Zechariah's song. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has come that we might serve him without fear. Here is the king who sets you free. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. Here is a king who takes on that weight of sin upon himself, who liberates us so that we may serve him now freely, without fear and full righteousness. Here is our king. Here is our God. So let's go, let's serve him. Because he came to redeem us and free us. Let's follow him and live for him. Let's sing of him. Let's teach one another this song. Remind one another of this song. Let's get alongside people who need to hear of this hope, of this joy that can only be found in God who comes to visit his people. If you're sitting here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus yet, then can I urge you to consider this song that Zechariah sings? Will you see how God has come for you? How he comes to relieve you from oppression, from that weight of sin. Will you see how he is ever faithful to you? And will you turn your life to him and say, yes, I will serve him? Would you even dare to say with us, he is our God, he is my God? And for those of us who are following Jesus, may this be our song this Christmas. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel who has visited and redeemed his people. God has come. That is what we celebrate this Christmas, every Christmas. Through the battles, through the doubts that we might be facing, let's remember God is ever faithful. And let's go and live for him. Let's be singing this song this Christmas for his glory. Amen. Let me lead us in a prayer as we close. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Father, we praise you that you came. You came to walk this earth, to be among us. Father, we thank you that your son came as that horn of salvation, that strong king who comes to redeem us from the oppression of enemies, from the battle within of our sin, to redeem us, to free us, to give us life. Father, praise you for this horn of salvation who is that great promise that is fulfilled that we see throughout the scriptures. Father, may we be led to sing of his praise. Help us to sing this song as Zechariah sings and to say we will serve him, our great king. Please, Lord, help us to look to him all the more this Advent, this Christmas, in the days and the months to come, we pray for his glory.